Thank you. Thank you, Rosa. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, it's good to see you guys here. Uh, I don't think I know all of you or have met all of you. If it's your 
first time or you hadn't been here uh, very often, uh, the ad group, if you have been here every week, I still have my welcome to that of uh, Johnny. What are we doing here? You might be wondering, what am I doing here? Well, we're here looking at the Bible uh, together. Wondering, what am I doing that? As Johnny explained, here at the Bible Group, we believe that God has spoken to the world through his word. And this is where we meet God in his word. Like you would meet anybody in their words. And so we don't go to special buildings or churches or temples or whatever to meet God. Uh, you don't have a special space to have a special experience of God to meet him by nature. Meet God like you would meet anybody in their word as they reveal themselves. As we're doing here today. It's a great privilege to be able to do this when the world gets to So because we hold that this is God speaking to us, believe that to be here, I'm going to pray that is ask God that he might help us understand. And if you want to pray or if you want to say amen, feel free I'm going to ask God. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Please help us to understand what you are saying to us so that we may know you. We might be able to respond rightly to you. Pray in Jesus' name. We've been reading through John's Gospel, that is John's biography of Jesus' life, and last week we met this woman called, well, we didn't know her name, but she's a She's forever known as the woman of Samaria. There's only ever one woman of Samaria. That's her. And she met Jesus by this well. Jesus is on his own. His disciples have gone off into the nearby town of Sychar to look for food, buy food. And uh, they were hungry. They were on their journey through from Judea to Galilee. And Jesus is by himself. And this woman comes out. And Jesus takes the initiative and talks to her. We learned last week that was a big no-no. She pointed out to Jesus, you're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman, what are you doing talking to me? So bad things are happening. But along the way, if you went with us, we found out that Jesus was actually offering her eternal life. A big day for her. So we meet her today uh, in John 4 and she runs off in town. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar and went on into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and they were coming toward him. We'll come back to that in a moment. Well, the disciples had gone off to buy food and they'd come back with food. Verse 31, meanwhile the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, anyone brought him something to eat? Um, has someone been sneaking food? Uh, why has Jesus got food? Where did he go to get food? Someone, like, someone was sort of muscling in on the fire, like, it's our job to look after Jesus. Uh, where did he get his food from? Or before they left Judea, did Jesus visit 
drive through Macca's and stuck his pockets with cheeseburgers or something. What's he, where's this food come from? And they're a bit confused. Now, this is a reading John's Gospel moment. Uh, survival skills. Survival skills. That's right. Uh, how to read a Bible. Uh, what John likes to do is to highlight these instances where people get confused about Jesus, and it's especially the disciples, and they miss it. Well, they don't miss here. They just don't get what he's talking about. And I like this because I just like doing this myself, actually. Um, I like, actually, this is one of my favourite ones. They get people, I have food that I know nothing about. Well, that's interesting. Um, but this is where it comes from, if you ever hear me say that. Uh, I have food that, and the disciples are confused. Now, it's not just like a, ha, oh, oh, Jesus has a bit of fun with them. It always has the occasion, or opens up the door for him teaching his disciples something important about himself and about, about them. And so whenever you come across these confusion passages, you go, aha, I've got to look carefully, because we're going to learn something new. We're going to learn something big. And what do we learn? We learn how Jesus is sustained. What sustains Jesus? Last week we looked at satisfaction. What things satisfy us? Like that's happiness for the long term. That's satisfaction. Here we're looking at sustenance. What is it that sustains, sustains Jesus? What is his food? Verse 34. So if you pick it up, it's pretty obvious. But hard to work out exactly what he's talking about. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now it's worth spending a moment or two trying to understand that. What is the will of him who sent you? What is the will of God, the Father, who sent Jesus? Well, we don't have to guess, because if we jump ahead about two chapters, we actually see it in John 6. Okay, Jesus speaks and he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the sun and the leaves should have it to the world. And will raise him up on the last day. There's God's will for Jesus. There's the work that God has given Jesus to do. I've never even thought about that. This is fantastic stuff, isn't it? Jesus' job from the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes, remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the will of God, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, that he should have eternal life. We saw last week with the woman at the well, this eternal life is not just never-ending years, you know, like infinite zeros, of years, that could be that too, but it's quality of life. Eternal life is quality of life, the quality of face-to-face -face relationship with God. Without any rubbish getting in the road, without sin getting in the road, without our own stupidity or anyone else getting eternal life. 
And Jesus' job is that anyone who believes in him is going to make sure that that relationship happens. That's what God has sent him to do. That's new for you. It's not new for me, but I keep forgetting it. I keep forgetting it. That's what God has sent Jesus to do is to keep me in eternal life by looking to him. That's terrific. That's the job. That's And that's the thing that sustains Jesus. I don't know what the thing was that sustained you. Chocolate. Josh also says chocolate. He's been saying it for the last three days. When you ask that question, uh, chocolate. You know that there are people, these are people that have real troubles. Because uh, like, they go straight to chocolate. That's sort of like the last resort type thing. There are some other last resort ones, but they can only sustain so much, can't they? You can only, okay, I won't go there. Maybe you can eat more chocolate. But it stops doing its work after a while, doesn't it? It stops sustaining. Jesus is not just using a metaphor here. He actually craves. The thing that actually sustains him is God's will, such that when he's in the desert, hungry as anything, what does he want to do? He'll eat, sure, he'll eat food. He wants to do the will of God. And then his secret will come to eternal life. And that's what is about to happen. People think he's coming out to me. Well, is that is that you? Are you one who is looking to Jesus for face-to-face relationship with God. That's why God sent Jesus. Is that what you have because of looking to him? If you do, then everything changes. How you look changes. How the disciples should look changes. Not their outward appearance, but how they look with their eyes, and how they see things, how they interpret the world. And that's what my next point is going to do. The disciples look different. Verse 35. Jesus says to the disciples, Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Yeah. There you go. That's a fairly common saying that you all have, isn't it? I mean, we all say that most mornings, don't we? Don't you? Four months and then the harvest. saying that they were familiar with and it's got to do with common understanding of the rhythm of life. Just a a truism. Uh, At this particular moment in time, four months and then the harvest. Uh, If we were uni students, uh, you say things like four weeks and then stew back. It's actually not four weeks, it's more like this. Um, It's four weeks, then stew back and then exams and then the break. Like, that's the thing you're hanging out for. And you do say that, don't you? Just, <laughs> I can't wait, and then you that. Exams, the hard work, and then the break. But Jesus is saying, that regular rhythm of life stuff, that way of interpreting the world, it's all changed. He says, verse 35, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. 
For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labour. Others have laboured and you have entered into their labour. Jesus talking down here. See things differently. Look, he says, I tell you, something different is happening. Something bizarre that shouldn't be happening. Even before the harvest has started, the reapers are getting paid for doing the reaping that they haven't done yet. That's because, actually, it's already started. You just can't see it. It's a bit like like rubbing shoulders with somebody. Today you meet somebody from one of your courses, and they say to you, oh, cool, I just saw the lecturer, and uh, I've got an HD for this subject. Goes to week six. You haven't done final exams yet. That's crazy, isn't it? I'm going to New Zealand. See ya. <laughs> you meet someone that's a guy got credit. You got a credit. Wow, that's that good. But I'm going to go. Like, what's happening? Like, I need to. It doesn't look like things are finished. I've got still things in my timetable. What Jesus is saying here is, go have the right sort of eyes. See what God is doing. Harvesting, it's harvest time for people. And catch up. The harvest is not a long way off. It's arrived. Jesus sees from this town out towards him because this woman has told them all about this guy that they met, that she met at the well. Jesus points the disciples to this incoming harvest field. How do you see the world around you? How do you see things happening? Especially if you're a follower of Jesus. How do you see the world? How do you see yourself in the world? Depends what sort of media you listen to and what social media you might you know, scroll through. I do what I hear and what I see and seen over years is that churches are from the public uh, and that's a good thing, that uh, religious leaders are under scrutiny, closer scrutiny more than ever. That's a good thing too. Uh, communities, uh, churches, don't have as easy access into communities that they exist in. Uh, that people are more thoughtful about just engaging with churches or even longer with church. And on top of that, some people hear and feel that, well, that there's no place in the world at all for anything religious. There's no place in the public sphere for religious people to be able to speak. And you might feel the weight of all of that. Now, not all of that is wrong. Not all of that is bad. And you, that's just media. It's up to you what you're going to believe what you're going to focus in on. Because you are what you read. You become what you read. You read about war every day, and the news articles you ever look at. You think that the whole world is all about what's happening in terms of war, or not war. Jesus is saying, understand what God's perspective. It's harvest time, because the one who has brought salvation has arrived. Now, I'm going to guess a little bit. I'll tell you some of my guessings about how I, what I've noticed in the last few years uh, 
in relation to being a follower of Jesus, especially at uni. Um, I think this is a unique time within the last few years. As we've done things like Easter walk-up, as we've met people at O-Week, uh, last year, as we did semester two, we were here, did mission stuff. I think people are a lot softer, harder towards being talked to about Jesus, about what they believe. I think people are much more open and have much many less hang-ups than their parents ever did about religion. Go back 10, 15 plus years, and people were much more like, oh, no, not interested, no, not interested in that. No, politely so, but just no, not interested. I think we have a unique moment. Make the most of it. Now, you can, you can have to tell me afterwards about um, your experience. But, but here's one thing that we can do from out of that, if that is true. If you are a follower of Jesus and you do go to a church somewhere on the weekend, why don't you find somebody who's older, who perhaps used to go to uni a long time ago, and tell them of your experience of following Jesus when they're in, and ask them to pray for you. Ask them to pray for you, being a student here. It's something uh, that you can do by uh, today. Well, how do people respond to Jesus? We're going to motor on and see that John is showing us, as he's put these accounts of Jesus' encounters with people together, it's about response to of belief or disbelief towards Jesus. We've got two responses. We've got these Samaritans that are coming out of this town uh, to see Jesus, and then these Galileans where Jesus is heading off to this place called Galilee. Well, let's pick up the Samaritans first of all, all right? And I'm going to get you to do a little bit of work here, so um, not at all. You can, you can wake up in a moment and ask a few questions. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Okay, they arrived at the well where Jesus is, all these people, maybe it was in sort of stages and walks of people, however it happened, and they knew Jesus, they, they hear. Let me ask you, what does John say uh, is the woman's testimony? What's the woman's testimony? What does she say about her? Experience. Yep. Here go. Yep. Yeah, he told me all that I ever did. Now, you had to be here last week to know what that was all about. Basically, um, her love life of having five failed marriages and she Now, because of that, the people of the town believe in Jesus. They understand that he is perhaps the Messiah. It's a belief that's based on miraculous insight that Jesus has. But keep listening. 
verse 41. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. Their belief stays the same, the belief in Jesus as the Messiah. But what's the basis of their belief now? You've got 30 seconds with the person next to you that you met earlier on. What's the basis of their belief now? Alrighty. What's the basis of belief now? I'm looking at this side of the room. Oh, yeah. uh, they previously have heard, but now they've seen and they're on board. Previously they heard and now they've seen, now they're on board. Not bad. Good start. Anyone want to throw in something else? Or go, yes, that's what I said. Who said that? A couple of low hands. Non-committals, any differences? Like, oh, other hand. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. Yeah. Tell us what you said. Forty-two. Yeah. 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 Because of his word, it's no longer because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves. Heard for ourselves. Um, it's not even that they say we've met Jesus personally. Jesus stays with them for two days. It's mentioned we're like being with Jesus for like a camping weekend. Like two days. Oh, two days with Jesus. Fantastic, isn't it? You walk in here and say, guys, I've got campsite books, buses outside. You'd go, wouldn't you? It was Jesus. You'd go like, I'm going. I'm going. I'll bring home. What we have dinner? Um, what would you report back on Monday uh, that happened across the weekend? What sorts of things? Oh, we were with Jesus for a whole two days. What sort of sounds we got birds, but they're good ones. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like, like wash the top of the water on them. Uh, is that what you report? Or do you know what he eats and how he eats? themselves, you know, I thought he'd be whiter. <laughs> a lot of things like that. What do these guys say? They don't report anything at all like that. They go, we have heard for ourselves. We've heard for ourselves. The message that Jesus spoke to them that was the thing that they turned towards, away from what the woman had said, which was terrific as well, but they heard. And it's no small belief. It's we know indeed that this is the saviour of the world. This is big stuff. And they're just trusting his word. Well, we then meet the Galileans. It's interesting. Because Jesus is on his way from Judea, Galilee, which is the other way around, from Judea up to Galilee. He's had to go through Samaria. And he meets Jewish Galileans. After two days, he departed from Galilee, verse 44, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honour in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. 
for they too had gone to the feast. Now, I hope as I read that, you were listening and you went, huh? We'll come back to that. If you didn't go, huh? Then you weren't listening. Uh, you weren't sort of following the logic. There's a big huh in there. Galilee is where Jesus came from. It's a, it's a region. It's an area. It's a bit like Illawarra. It's the, it's the area. No one town. Numerous towns in it. And John reports about what Jesus thinks. That is, a prophet has no honour in his hometown. So why does verse 45 say, so when he came to Galilee, hometown area, the Galileans welcomed him? Hang on, that's not what we're supposed to read. We're supposed to read, they didn't honour him, they rejected him. Alrighty, in your pairs again, see if you can work out what's the logic, what's what's this verse doing here in verse 45. Got it? Right. Okay. This is a little bit harder. This, this made my head hurt for about two weeks uh, as I thought I couldn't work this out. Um, I hope no one's worked this out in the last uh, Anyone want to have a shot at what? What's happening here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, and they're welcoming you because they're saying Exactly. How did you get it so easily? <laughs> oh, goodness. They welcome you not because they think he's the saviour of the world, but he's the guy who does signs. Remember back in chapter 2, if you were with us, Jesus goes to Jerusalem does all these signs. There are Galileans there in Jerusalem at the time at this feast, and they believe in Jesus. And we're told in the end of chapter 2 that Jesus did not entrust himself. He knew what was in a man. That is, Jesus doesn't trust belief that's based on signs. So, here he is, back at home, and they welcome him. Oh, Jesus, you're the one who does the signs. Come, come. He's not honoured as a prophet from God who's speaking God's words. Well, what does he do? He shows and reaffirms that signs are not the things that make belief worthwhile or make belief strong or make belief the thing is going to be sustained. We think that they would. Like, we, you know, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've read the Bible for a bit, you know that you're supposed to go, oh, yes, I like this. That's what the, the Jewish leaders believe and that's what they're after. That's going to We wouldn't mind it, would we? There were some signs. Like, it would be, we'd be pretty happy if... Um, you know, we're able to do something that's pretty impressive. Put on a big show, a lot of people come along. That'd be pretty good. But 
Jesus is not on about doing big, impressive things. That is not how you get to know God. That is not the thing that's going to sustain belief in God. It's understanding Jesus and his words. So we do get Galilean belief, stage two, this final picture. And so in verse 46, he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he'd made water, wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Okay, he's a Galilean official, and he knows that Jesus is about 20 miles away. Son's dying, very sick. He goes to Jesus. What's going to happen? Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll not believe. That's pretty harsh. Guy has left his dying son. Perhaps he won't see him alive again to travel 20 miles to see Jesus. And Jesus says, Fine, don't you? You're really after anything. What does the guy do? He just ignores what Jesus says and repeats his request, verse 49. So come down before my child dies. But isn't it? He doesn't plead with Jesus that, no, I'm not really after a sign. He's just like, he just wants one thing. Will you kill my son? And Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went on his way. A Galilean man who's supposed to be all about signs believes the word. Must have been a tough thing for this man, though, because Jesus said, yeah, go on your way, your son will live. What does he do? Does he sort of grab hold of Jesus and go, no, 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 you've got to come down. You've got to come with me. Or does he say, cool, no worries, I'll believe. Catch you later. And what if he gets home and nothing's happened? He's got nothing to trust Jesus for. And that's important to us. That's the time when Jesus had spoken to the man that our son was revived. See, Jesus keeps his word. Jesus sustains us by his word. Jesus wants us to be sustained by his word. He's come into the world so that we might have eternal life. His job is to see us sustained in eternal life. And he does that through Not through great signs and wonders. Not through us feeling so happy. Not through us having a great experience of life, but through trusting With experiences of pending death of loved ones around us, or whether it's failures or whatever it might be that it's Trust my word. I trust Jesus. Brother, showing us his work that you give. Bring all those who trust in him to 
eternal life, it's a relationship with you. We thank you that he has the power to change lives, he has the power to defeat the power to do all manner of things for that would make life better for us and his chief thing Lord is to bring us to relationship with him. us in that. Help us to grasp hold of that and see the world that way. To hold on to Jesus. Pray. Praying. I'm Jade, I'm a first year nursing student and I'm here to do a prayer. Father, thank you that today we could gather and hear from your word. Thank you that Jesus came to do the will of the Father and that everyone who looks at him and believes will be saved. God, please help us to have eyes to see what you're doing. Thank you that Jesus, you came and brought salvation and the harvest time is here. Give us the passion to tell others about you. Please soften the hearts of those around us so that when we share the message, it might sink in and change hearts and that many might be brought to you. Help us also to believe because we trust in your word. Thank you that you are trustworthy and you keep your word and you sustain us in eternal life through your word. I pray for our Easter mission follow-up. Thank you for those who took your word around campus. Uh, We pray that the gospel seeds planted would take root in people's lives and that they would come to Bible talks, be reading Uncover Mark, and be connected into Bible studies, and be attending local churches. Um, We pray for those suffering for Christ, both people we know and around the world. Thank you for those who are serving in places, even where it's difficult, taking your word. We pray that they would be given encouragement and joy in their suffering, as well as the strength to persevere and support that they need. We pray that their suffering would bear the gospel fruit, and that they would glorify you in their suffering. Thank you for how you've promised that you'll be with us during suffering and give us the strength to endure. Help us to endure hard things in our lives, looking to you and knowing that you're with us always. Thank you for the incredible blessing that it is to walk with you. Thank you for this, and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.